Two girls talking. You know what that means. It's time to talk. What's going on in the world? How about your business? How about your life? Let's talk it out. Two girls talking. Hey everyone, it's Anna. And it's Ashley. Welcome to the show. You're listening to this and you've likely been in quarantine for months and months and months. And with all that time at home, have you thought about writing a book? Well, I have. I know a lot of people who have. I know I'm not alone. So our guest today is going to help you get your book out to the world. My friend Angela Engel is founder of the Collective Book Studio. Publishers Weekly has called her a disruptor in the publishing business. And I can say experience that she is definitely disrupting the book publishing business in a very good way. Angela wanted to build a different kind of publishing business, keeping the author's vision in mind every step of the way through what she calls partnership publishing. Angela, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, hi. Thanks. I'm excited. Hi, Angela. Welcome. (laughs) We've got a lot to talk about. Not just book publishing, but I'm going to also start off by saying Angela is also a mom to three kids, just like me. Her husband's also a business owner. So we're going to talk about all that too. But before we do, Angela, let's dive in. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and how you even got into the publishing business in the first place. Okay. Well, I got into the publishing business like most uh, English or comparative lit creative writing majors right out of college. I went to the University of Oregon And I fell in love with San Francisco because one of my roommates was from Napa. So uh, right when I graduated, I moved to the Bay Area and I applied for a publishing job um, at Publishers Group West, uh, which is a little small wholesaler and a lot of independent presses. And right away, I got a job in marketing. And um, a year and a half later, I, they found another job within that uh, same company to do sales. They were like, Angela, you have such a sales bug. And this is 20 years ago in 2000. 20 years ago, Amazon was in, Jeff Bezos was like in his garage. There was like this idea that right. there be print on demand, right? And so I was like, oh, let's sell books to Papyrus, of course, but why not Urban Outfitters and Anthropology and all these other areas? This is 20 years ago. So um, I just started in this very niche special sales and the real publisher that was doing that extremely well then was Chronicle Books. And so eventually my career took me to Chronicle Books and do national large mass market accounts at Chronicle Books. And that's where I really met a lot of my colleagues that are part of the Collective Book Studio today. So what is a publishing partnership? Ah, that's a good question. Okay, so a partnership for, for me in publishing is different in the sense that there is um, a creative fee attached, meaning there is some investment by the client, by whether that be the illustrator, the author, the entrepreneur, into the publishing business. Um, and in that, and those services are work for hire. So essentially what they pay us for, they own that IDO. We don't acquire those rights. It's very different. So in traditional publishing, your book is acquired. Your IDO is acquired. And you don't actually have a say in when or if you'll ever get it back, right? A lot of right. you, you have to wait 20 plus years. It's out of print. You buy your book, your, your rights back. 
And also some of the things about design, layout, cover aesthetic, even title, like all of those things, often when you give up your creative, your manuscript and your creative control, you're giving up that too. So a partnership is that you've hired us in, that, in those really fixed costs to, to, that it does take to make a great book, right? Which is your editorial, your design and layout, your technical production. So I ask for those fees. And then what we do is we go on this journey together and we then publish the book that I believe uh, and my team believes and the client believes in and can sit on a shelf and compete as strong as any of the big five. And I have the really great independent publishers out there as well. Um, that is the goal of the collective. The goal is to offer a different path within publishing than self-publishing. Okay. So, oh, so it's kind of like, um, I hire you to be not only my consultant, but also kind of like the people who brings my ideas to life. Yeah, you hire, you hire us. Uh, essentially, it's not really even hire. You are with a publishing house that just has a different business model. Mm -hmm. So you think about self-publishing. It is a business model, right? Amazon has created an, a, an, an amazingly large model. It's not just, it's an actual business within the publishing space. And then there's traditional. So in self-publishing, there are all these hybrid services. There's different services. There's called Blurbish and other things that I'm not quite aware of where you can get some of these think fees taken care of. But in the end, you don't have any people to kind of work with um, to help you distribute outside of the Amazon or the internet face of the book, right? And so then there are a few really great partners in my, in my space, uh, Collective Book Studio, we are lifestyle, full color books. We do children's books. We do cookbooks or art books, as well as what I really love doing also are sort of some of these business coaching, self-help books that we love, that I love to see in the space. Um, so we have full distribution, meaning Barnes and Noble, uh, your favorite bookstore in New York, one of mine is The Strand, right? Like, how do you get into The Strand? You have to make your book well-written and well-packaged. Mm -hmm. What I saw is that in an industry I love, which is traditional publishing, right? I've worked at 10 Speed Press, which is now Random House. I've worked at Chronicle Books. I've done business consulting with Cameron, which is part of Abrams, that in traditional publishing, what we know and what we do to make a book is, is a lot, right? It, it, it takes a lot of skill. And what I noticed was, is that people didn't necessarily want a traditional route and they only felt the alternative was self because of access or accessibility. And so what I'm trying to say, and that's why Ashley, I'm gonna go to your point as a disruptor, is I'm actually saying to my industry, let's give people access to us. Mm -hmm. I say, let's give access and accessibility. Let's not take three to four years to get published. People want to own their IDO. So when you come on a contract with me, once it goes on sale, I actually ask only for two years. Meaning if you get a phone call and a huge 10 book deal by a big house and a huge advance, we all pop champagne and I'm happy. 
Or you're like, Angela, I'm making half, I'm making, I'm sharing in the profits with you and I'm making lots of great money. Let's keep, keep chugging along and do my second, third, fourth book. I don't want to give over my IDO. So you keep saying, you keep saying IDO. What is that? Oh, yeah. Your intellectual property, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, so with a traditional publisher, you're basically giving up your intellectual property. Like, I mean, that's, that's a lot. That's a big deal. Like if I was to one day go write a book about like media training or, you know, media publicity, and I give that to a publishing house, that's now their IPO and not mine. Like, (laughs) I don't think I could ever do that. That's why a lot of entrepreneurs are attracted to self-publishing. Right. 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 Yeah, exactly what you said. Okay. So I have a question for you, Angela. So I'm, you know, you work with a lot of writers. You talk to a lot of people who want to write books. Like what do writers need to be thinking about? What advice do you want to give for people who are like, okay, I am writing a book. I need to make a choice about what my next step is. Like, what do they need to be thinking about? What do they need to know when it comes to publishing a book? Like, especially things that you wish that people already knew now, if that makes sense. So writing a book is actually very hard and no, it's hard. Like it, and it's, and everybody needs an editor. Like the greatest writers that you can think of when they give an acknowledgement, they often think they're editor. They often are, you know, they're, when we write, we often write from, we're going to be writing from our own perspective and right. we're using language that we just naturally fall into and that we actually understand, right? Because it's our words. And yet someone else could read it and go, there's no arc, which there's no way you're connecting the dots for me. And you can't see that. And that's exactly what I advise everyone is to, when you're in that writing process, prof, uh, process let go, know it's hard. And then after that, find a way if you really want a book that if you want a professionally done to figure out really who is the right person to read that book, to give you some feedback on that book. And it honestly shouldn't be probably your best friend or your mom or your husband or your partner. Um, It should really be somebody who has editorial experience or who has some um, able to give you some really critical feedback on your writing. That's my biggest advice. That's great advice. So, and that's where like the, somewhere like the collective book studio comes in is because you guys are the experts that then can, can go in and, and make your idea and your writing just more relatable to the masses. Is that right? Yeah. Or more relatable to your audience, your audience, to the, to the author's audience. Yeah. yeah. The, so yes. To really, yes. Yeah. So you say you have a team, right? So a couple of questions for me, a, um, how do you build a team and how do you build a team that is right for that author? You know, everybody's a little different. Uh, Oh yeah. Uh, So I um, believe that everybody has a story, every human being, every soul, every person that is on this planet, right? We all have a different story, meaning we all have different quirks and personality traits. And we actually have to find the right editor that is in that space with you, right? So let's say you're writing about 
uh, Ashley, I'm just going to take your example, media relations. It would be really important that your editor has some background in something within that business space, within maybe public speaking, with has edited other books, like, and can give you that kind of constructive feedback on what is out there. It would be so inappropriate to match you with an editor who does cooking or children's. Right. Yeah, right. That's not what you're writing about. Um, so that's my first um, place I go when we get submissions is, do we have does this make sense for us? Do we have a person in mind, an editor in mind that this could work for? Who do we have um, that in our basket, in our expertise? That's why I say I don't do novels. It's not what I know how to sell. It's not where my background is. And either is the team that we work that I work with. So mm -hmm. novel in a submission to the collective book studio doesn't make sense. And my advice there for a writer who's writing a novel is find the publisher, find the person that is publishing within that genre, because mm -hmm. that's what's going to make your book, that's A, going to get your book published and make your book work is finding it, whether that be not, you don't always need the big five, you know, find that small independent press that publishes within that genre. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it does. All right. So make sure that people have ex have like the experience and knowledge of your area of expertise, especially your editor and your team. And I mean, I can relate to that. Like, I don't I'm a book publicist, but I'm more specifically I'm a nonfiction book publicist. Like right. I don't do novels either. And so when people come to me, I'm like in full transparency. I don't do that. I can recommend somebody else, but I wouldn't feel comfortable getting your nonfiction book out to the world. Right. Exactly. Um, I don't do music videos. Yeah. I don't do like, I don't do event plannings. I'm not going to be the person you're going to come to. I'm a video production company. I'm not going to be the person you come to and say, okay, set up all this stuff and do, I mean, I'm going to work with partners who do that, but Alejo and Anna doesn't do that. Yeah. No. It's just not that's what we a, do. And we no, that's a really good it. point. I think we're all making is stay in your lane, right? Absolutely. Like, yeah. like people come to me and I'm like, you know, I wouldn't be able to tell you if that person should drive across the Golden Gate Bridge or jump off the Golden Gate Bridge in your novel. So why would, you know, I be the right match for you, right? right. Like if we all are just honest and stay in our lane. We're going to do a great job and uh, we're going to be happy and creative. Like people ask me often, like why I founded this collective book studio. I want to be able to you know, bring jo like joy to the, you know, to the world. I want to like see that creative magic. I want to be able to, you know, hold a book in your hand is so exciting. It is. Um, and so uh, that, that concept that I can actually do that for my life, like to people. Right. Is so one question, you, you know, you talked about you being a disruptor. A question I have is, are you seeing pushback from the traditional publishing companies? Are you seeing that they're moving towards you, towards something that you're doing? Uh, is there a lot of, she's never going to, this is never going to be successful. What do you, what yeah, do you think? The, there? Yeah. What's the feedback like? Oh, um, everyone loves it. They actually <laughs> love it. I'm serious. Like it's uh, been awesome actually. Like my colleagues and friends, whether they're at Random House or Simon and Schuster or Chronicle, um, they're real champions of what I'm doing. Um, they're on my newsletter and they're happy. I mean, like, look, Kaliba yesterday sent out a huge email blast to the thousand booksellers, um, just about one of my brand new fall titles called Blind Spots. I mean, 
I have just been like, people are wrapping their arms around us and um, we already have distribution, people taking risk on us um, in the sense of that we didn't need this huge backlist to get traditional um, distribution in the space because two years ago I founded the Collective Book Studio and I started to talk to all of my colleagues all, all over in the biggest, in the top five houses. I talked to people and I said, the only way we're going to succeed and at, at, in terms of taking back the art of the book against the self-publishing, like self-publishing works for some, I'm not trying to trash it, but like I said to everyone in traditional is that we have to find another way. Mm-hmm. That's why you're seeing that big article in PW and Publishers Weekly is that they actually believe in this model that I'm setting before the industry. And I'm not the only one. Actually, one of the pioneers is Brooke Warner um, by She Writes Press in Berkeley. And to be honest, I hold her in complete high regard. I mean, I've worked with her. Uh, I met her 20 years ago. She does Uh, She does novels and memoirs and I highly recommend and different categories than I do, but like, I'm not the first, I'm just um, disrupting it in the sense of it's time now for all of us within the traditional industry to actually say there's a, there is actually a middle, there's a different model in publishing besides self and traditional. Um, And it's as equally as, and as excellent and as high of quality as our tradition, as our traditional so in addition to the trend of creating a new model for publishing, like what other trends are you seeing in the publishing industry right now? Hmm. Um, well, I mean, honestly, with uh, Black Lives Matter um, and um, the murder of George Floyd, there definitely is uh, a lot of look at the big five and their resources and how they're allocating their resources and making sure they're publishing um, people of color uh, and, and black voices and um, Latina voices. And, you know, pe- that is definitely something that has surfaced, which is a good thing. Um, they, you know, I think the big five, um, I think internally I've got, uh, friends there. And I, I know that people are really looking at it and examining in that and that call to action that the rest of uh, independent publishing authors, I think myself uh, and colleagues have looked at and said, um, both on social media, as well as just in emails and networking. Um, in I'm part of the Bay Area Women's um, Publishing Group out here in the Bay Area. It's part of our mission and talking about it and how we give more access. So I think that that is a good thing. We're creators, we're thinkers, we're writers, um, and we need to be examining our own industry in that way. That's good. I'm glad to hear yeah, that in your industry. Um, was it not? Was, was, in, was, was, was yeah. I mean, every industry has its own little biases and its own little, you know, blinders on our eyes type of thing but was there a sense that let me put you this way did a lot of minority uh, authors do they not go the way of your five big as you call them Um, because there was like an institutional or systemic kind of discrimination and they went to their own independence is that is that 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, there's systemic racism across the board of access, right? So publishing has, if we all look at it, it's really like three to four years to get published. How do you find an illustrator? How do you find authors who have yeah. access to literary agents? So it's about access, absolutely. Right. Yes. So there are some incredible multicultural independent presses. Lee and Lowe at Children's Press is one of my favorite presses of all time um, and, and uh, publishes incredible art uh, illustrators and writers of, of color, but they're not the big five, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, the disparity, unless you were a celebrity or a politician, it was very difficult and uh, I think it's still very difficult. I mean, but at least we're talking about it. At least, um, you know, uh, Hachette just announced in Publishers Weekly, they're one of the big five, that they're launching a new imprint, uh, Voices of Color for, for tweens, I believe it is. Um, but again, it takes a while. There, those, those lists, that list won't be out probably until spring of 2022. But, you know, I, I am watching and applauding as, um, our industries, um, making sure that, you know, the big five have the resources to create new imprints yeah. and, and to, and do the work, right. To look for those out. It's about doing the work. Yeah. That's what's people are, are talking about now. It's okay. You didn't mean to have a blinder on, but you did. Mm-hmm. So now what's your step? How are you going to like, give access or find access, it's going to be tough, right? But you can do it sort of just, and like, I think it's talking about it even today. Like, how are we all together who, like myself, who have access, how do I also, when I have this publishing space, make sure I'm looking and diversifying my list as well? Like, and giving access and how do I make sure um, people feel they have access to whether that be um, what we do or, or giving resources of other publishing, publishing, um, you know, publishing opportunities, I guess is the right. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. That makes a lot of sense. I'm glad to hear that there's like, I feel like progress in the publishing world when it comes to leveling the playing field for everyone. Um, Let's talk about your personal life, because in addition to the great work that you're doing at the collective book studio, you also are a mom to three young kids at home. Your husband is also an entrepreneur. And I am so curious, like what it is like to raise a family with two entrepreneurial parents. I mean, I know, Anna and I know what it's like with one and it's yeah. a lot of work with one, but talk to us about what it's like with two and then raising kids at the same time. <laughs> okay. So yes, my husband founded his own business, maybe eight, 10 years ago at this point. Um, he has an accounting firm in the Bay area with small boutique restaurants across the Bay. Um, and so as you, he was doing fantastic prior to COVID um, sure. and it was sort of that awesome part part that he was doing so well, I was able to take the leap of, leap of faith myself and leave a corporate when I was pregnant with my third baby and think about consulting and founding my own business. And so, yeah, has times changed since COVID a hundred percent? You know, his business is cut in half because um, we're all reading about the news and, and, the, and, the, and the small mom and pop neighborhood restaurants. Those are my husband's clients. Mm. 
think when you, when I think about what we both do, um, which is really dig into this world of people's stories, right? Restaurants are people's dreams. Absolutely. Right. Um, and you know, they're opening up an, an Italian restaurant and cooking the, their grandmother's pasta recipe. That's the people that my husband works with. And then I feel that I have that same, whether they're, you know, a parenting coach, like Ashley knows, I have a great client um, and they do this I'm doing a parenting, uh, beautiful parenting book with them. And that's their kind of dream and their baby. Um, I think as tough as it is for Don and I like to balance hours and stuff like that, we'll come together over a glass of wine and literally say, we have compassion, both of us for each other, because we're both trying to hold people's real desires and real needs. Um, so look, there's a lot of screaming sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Of course. Uh, sure. I'm Italian. I'm a mix. 100% my husband said I'm 100% Italian and 100% Jewish. I, my parents met in Manhattan. <laughs> so, you know, like, so there has to be some screaming and some food and some wine. But, like, um, it is uh, good for us to both some days, we'll just say, okay. We work around the clock often. We have to work on Sundays. We have to work nights. We have to work mornings. Um, but we both know that we're happier actually being our own entrepreneurs mm -hmm. than we would be uh, el elsewhere because that's who we married. Yeah, right. Absolutely. I, I, I agree with that 100%. My, you know, my, my kids will often say to me, and I have teenagers, but my kids will often say to me, but mom, you're, you're happier yeah. doing this, right? So when Ashley and I first met, we both were working for the same company. I was Ashley's boss and we worked some really long hours. We work long hours now. We probably work a lot longer and a lot harder now than we did when we were actually, when we first met. We, we, we met, traveled a lot more when we were doing We did, <laughs> we did, and somebody else paid for it. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but we, and we worked at a startup, Ash and I, when we met. So we worked a lot, a lot of hours, but it was always somebody else telling us to work those long hours. Yeah. And now we work and don't get me wrong. It's not that I love all those long hours, but I realized that it's an, that, that this is like my choice. Mm -hmm. Like I can say no, or I can say yes. And my husband can say, okay, that's it. You're done. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't ever, but it's our choice and I'm happier having that choice. Me too. Yeah. No, you, you've said it right on. I mean, last night I'm on some zoom thing for town hall meeting for a school. And my husband goes, can I run and go to the, he has a client who has a bar. Can I run and go grab, go run all the paychecks. So he runs the paychecks for the employees. I'm like, sure. Cause you know, bars are open. So go at eight o'clock night where I'm on the zoom. And he comes home with a cool elixir that the owner has made us. And after I'm off the Zoom call, we like cheer and we have, and oh, and she also made me a big piece of cake. Um, <laughs> and we have a cake and elixir. And I know that the reason she gave that to my husband is, <clears throat> excuse me, is that, you know, that personal connection, like he ran at night to get those paychecks for her employees. Mm -hmm. Right. It's special. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Well, Angela, this has been so amazing hearing more about your story and your background in publishing and the ways that you're just changing the landscape of the publishing world. Um, we're so grateful for your time. Tell oh, our, yes. our listeners where we can get more information about you. Where can we find you? Okay, thank you. Um, well, I'm on Instagram um, and at um, the Collective Book Studio. And I'm also, I have a website, thecollectivebook.studio. Um, I honestly am not on Twitter probably because I'm in my forties and I think it would just drive me crazy. And I have three kids and I'm, and you know, running two businesses. So I apologize that I'm not on that. <laughs> I think the best way to find me is either Instagram or on our, on our website and there, and you can email. Thank you so much. Cause this is really, really interesting to hear all the different ways that people are not only adapting, but changing Cause I, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in change and progress. I know that change is scary, but I also believe that if you're in the front of it, pulling it, it's not nearly as scary. And I kind of feel that's what you are. So, yeah. Oh, oh, I like love that. And I really meant that like the people in our traditional publishing space are cheering us on like at the collective book studio because they we're all from there. And, you know, if you probably follow me on Instagram, you'll notice I write little things like, like kind of about Amazon, like we all, it's our love hate here, right? Cause you need Amazon as a retailer, yeah. but it also is really affecting our industry. Our, our small independent bookstores that are like the heart of our, our community, right? That we love and that like you walk in and you can just smell and browse a book. And so um, to say to also authors, you give you access and say, Get, let's find a new way where then your beautiful book can be supported by a gorgeous local bookshop, not just on Amazon. And that place we can drive revenue to that. Right. And that's what I think why they call me a disruptor, Ashley, is yeah. that I'm talking about. Yep. I'm talking about establishing partnership publishing hybrid model as an actual strong business model for the long term mm -hmm. and to compete there within the sp publishing space and not just have traditional and sell. That's really why I'm called a, dis a disruptor. Yeah. And I, and just from personal experience to my audience working with Angela, like if you're going to do partnership publishing, you go with Angela, because <laughs> she goes to bat for her authors. And I will say like beyond measure, I have never seen a publisher so involved in such a positive way. Um, just getting incredible results. So it's just incredible to watch you work and just well, that sounds great. Expertise. Yeah. Well, oh, thank, thank you. you thank you. I thank you so much for saying that, Ashley. I have a real simple magazine at my desk, you know. I love it. She's so good. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, Angela, you're the best. This has been so much fun. Um, and to all of our listeners, thank you again for tuning in. We appreciate you. Hang in there. Get working on your book. Can't wait to hear about it. We'll have you on the show one of these days, too, once you write it. And we'll see you next time. Listen to us in two weeks. Talk to you later.